Kreusser, welcome to Recovery Now Radio, which is brought to you in conjunction with Adveriad Recovery and Living Room Cardiff. Adveriad Recovery is a registered charity offering specialist support to those with co-occurring substance misuse and mental health conditions. Living Room Cardiff provides ongoing support and aftercare as a community-based recovery centre that has an all-addictions approach, including gambling, alcohol, drugs, both prescribed and illicit, sex, eating disorders, gaming, etc., or any other harmful behaviour. We welcome anyone who needs confidential support in taking those first important steps towards change and recovery. Family members and friends are also catered for. For further details, please see the Adveriad Recovery website, www.adveriad.org.uk and www.livingroom-cardiff.com. Diochen Thank you so much. Welcome to Recovery Now Radio. Let's recover together. Persecution, you must be. Win and lose, you've got to get your share. Got your mind set on a dream. You can get it. No more to see now. Recovery Now Radio, coming to you from the living room and at Berryard. Welcome to Recovery Now Radio, coming to you from the living room and at Ferryard. My name is Joe, and our guest today is Ian. Welcome, Ian. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How have you been? Oh, yeah, I've been fine. Yeah, I've been fine. Every day is well, a gonna... good day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, every day is a good day. And, and today is a different day because uh, the music we're going to play today is music of your making. Yes, it is. Uh, and uh, I'm trying not to feel too egocentric about that, Joe, because uh, originally I was asked to pick eight songs, but I couldn't do that very easily, pick eight songs from a recovery, because I spent quite a bit of time in recovery recording <laughs> original material, and that was very yeah. much around. So I thought, if I'm going to be true to myself, uh, yeah. then really, these these are the songs that tell the story of my recovery. So what could Fantastic. be Fantastic. Well, should we get into your first song, which is called A New Beginning? Can you tell us when you were making this song, what was coming up for you? I think it's um, all in the title, really. Um, you know, recovery is a new beginning. Um, um, I'm just in the, in, the, in the process of recording um, uh, a song called Nothing Changes, <laughs> brackets open, if nothing changes, brackets closed. And uh, that uh, song reminded me of a new beginning when I first started recording because it was it's exactly how it felt, um, you know, when I got sober. Uh, I changed, I had to change, and that change created a new beginning, uh, and that's what it's been like ever since. So, yeah, it's very much a, a theme to my, to, my, to my life and sobriety. Fantastic. Let's have a listen. 
A New Beginning by Ian himself. (laughs) (laughs) You are listening to Recovery Now Radio, Let's Recover Together. Um, Just to take you back a little bit, Ian, we're we're here talking about your alcoholism and your subsequent recovery today. But to go backwards a little bit, would you mind telling us a little bit about how you grew up? Yes, I grew up in Manchester um, and a few different places. But uh, the the Manchester I remember was a place called Stretford in Manchester, not far from Old Trafford football ground. And uh, yeah, it was it was a pretty, pretty standard, uh, safe sort of upbringing. I had parents who you know had their quirks you know uh, but uh, they were nice people and they loved me and cared for me I, I, I don't have any stories of, of, of a broken childhood but uh, one thing I do remember is alcohol was always around the house uh, my dad was a, a regular drinker but I never once in my life ever saw my father drunk 
Um, mm. My mum liked to drink, uh, but again, um, I can never recall seeing either of them um, out of the game. You know, so uh, yeah. but it was always around. Yeah, sure. Um, so, when was your first experience with alcohol? Would that be in your teens? Arguably, it was probably uh, when I was about two, because it was a little northern English habit, <laughs> a northern English habit uh, of uh, when you're teething, uh, they would they would put um, uh, gin on on your teeth, and my mum did that without even thinking for a second that that uh, that was going to turn me into an alky. No, I mean that, yeah. it, it was something that happened. I don't remember that obviously, but what I do remember is that my dad was a musician and he used to come back from playing in the local uh, social club. Yeah, finished at half 10, be home by 11. And he'd always have a couple of beers, uh, bottles of beer before he went to his bed. Uh, and he'd leave some of them. And even at the age of six or seven, um, I would get up probably the first one up in the morning and I would drink that. And my mum would see me do it and she'd say, oh, God, how can you do that? That's disgusting. And, I'm, you know, I can't say that I got some anything miraculous out of it, uh, but I just remember doing it. And it wasn't a one off. You know, there was something that attracted me to picking up that beer that Oh, God, I think about it now, I feel sick. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I did. It's what I did. And um, so it, that was technically, I suppose, my first voluntary drink of alcohol. I was at seven o'clock in the morning drinking my dad's leftovers. Lovely, eh? Warm. <laughs> nice and warm. <laughs> but I guess drinking what your dad drinks is like, must have seemed like something cool to do at that age. Possibly, yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. remember any thoughts, and there's no thought process. I, taste, I don't remember it particularly tasting great. I certainly didn't get any wow factor from it. It was just something I did, an unusual thing for a child to do and to do repeatedly as well. It wasn't a one-off. And why I didn't not like that, I don't know, because it must have tasted vile. Mm. But uh, I did that, you know. Um, but my first actual drink drinking wasn't really until I was about probably I'm going to invent between 11 or 12 and then it was drinking from a parent's uh, uh, cabinet and finding something in there that I liked and uh, tried a few things which were too strong just tasted too strong didn't like whiskey didn't like gin uh, but then I found some sweet rum uh, and I remember yeah. that giving me a buzz and I'm, I can't have been much more older than 12 and I remember thinking even my mum saw, saw me drinking it once and she said I said oh you really shouldn't be doing that you know uh, yeah. but I did, I did, and, and I, uh, I remember liking the taste of it, but uh, it was smooth. It was a bit like Alka Pops of the day, I suppose. And you must have got that warm, fuzzy feeling from it for you to keep doing it, I guess. That's exactly what I got from it. Yeah, I quite like the taste. In fact, no, I, I really like the taste. Once I found something, I was lucky. I mean, if, if that whole drinks cabinet had tasted like being full of whiskey, who knows what would have happened mm. my path would have been slightly different uh no i'm sure i still would have ended up an alcoholic i don't think that was enough to 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 shape my life who knows but uh certainly yeah it gave me a fuzzy warm feeling i enjoyed that glow glow i remember being a glow and uh and it tasted it tasted nice you know yeah sure well let's listen to your second track which is gotta let go when you were writing this at what stage in, a, in your life were you thinking about uh, well, no, Gotta Let Go is probably, I'd say, roughly about two or three years um, into my sobriety. Uh, it's when I'd realised that I couldn't do alcohol 
um, I couldn't treat myself uh, with with alcohol. And I, I had accepted I was an alcoholic. I had accepted that alcohol was an illness. And that took a little while uh, to get over that feeling of alcohol being a weakness. Uh, uh, that's what I thought it was. And then, you know, I, I realized it was an illness. It was explained to me by by people that, you know, when you repeatedly for 37 years do something that is so immensely harmful, especially in the end when it's 24-7, uh, you know, how could you be anything else apart from ill (laughs) how can you not have an illness and and this was you know and you know this was letting go and just following the suggestions other people were making that they'd managed to stay sober and they were living happy lives i had to let go of my um preconceptions and had to let go of my own belief distorted belief that i could actually fix this myself when i had no evidence in my past of ever doing that yeah, so it was yeah. acceptance, really. This is my acceptance song, really. Fantastic.
was Gotta Let Go by Ian's Fine Self again. In fact, all of today's songs are going to be by Ian. So um, I'll just announce the name of them, if that's okay by you, Ian. <laughs> I'm just delighted that you're happy to have my songs on here. As I say, yeah. <laughs> it feels strange doing this. Uh, and I have to really, really think carefully about it because, uh, you know, I just couldn't find other songs that, that I could relate to. Yeah, I could say... I remember Boogie Wonderland by Earth, Wind and Fire when I got drunk in the disco at 16, but I don't, I'm not so sure that I really want to remember songs uh, that was that good in association with, with Blackout. Yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. So I think these, song, these songs are about recovery and these songs are about today. And, you know, and uh, today's important to me. You know, yesterday's, what is it to say? Yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery, we live for the day and it's kind of how I feel. These songs are today for me. Can you remember a time when alcohol was manageable for you at all? Yeah, reasonably so. I mean, it was it, it was a calculated unmanageability. Uh, I mean, I was drinking, I, my first blackout was when I was 15. And I remember it well because I was as sick as a dog the next day. And my mum came with a little smile saying, oh, well, you won't be doing that again, will you? You know, little did she know. Little did I know because I said, no, I'll, no, I won't. <laughs> and I don't think I touched alcohol for a month then. You know, I was, I was 15 years old. Um, and, uh, but then a few weeks later, you know, back on, back on the rum again. And then I started to go to the pub. I was 15, uh, when I first went to the pub and that was very manageable because I couldn't afford to get drunk. Um, mm. but then I discovered at 16, I discovered parties and that was a completely different kettle of fish. You know, that was turn up with a bottle of cider. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm aging myself here a little bit, uh, a, a, two, a, a two litre bottle of Strongbow, uh, or even uh, nobody will remember Party 7's here apart from me, but the Party 7 was a very English thing. Yeah, I was living down in Milton Keynes at the time, and that was like, you know, seven seven pints in a tin of vile, disgusting beer. Take that, go and stick it on the counter in the kitchen at the party, and then just go and hoover up every other decent drink in there and drink to blackout. Yeah, so I was drinking and driving on my little moped at 16, going to parties, sometimes not even invited, and drinking to blackout. I was quite wanton, you know. So, yeah. yeah, manageable to a degree, but it started getting unmanageable soon, you know. Yeah, tell me about that. When it started to get unmanageable, what things were you noticing? I think, really, it was a lot later in my life when when the regular uh, unmanageability, I mean, the, 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 the sporadic unmanageability started quite early, like stories like that. I mean, that's unmanageable in the sense that I went out probably went out to get drunk and knowing I was going to get drunk. Uh, and that was almost part of the excitement. I think the unmanageability really kicked in probably in my 30s and 40s. Uh, when I started not to do things uh, that uh, I used to do, uh, regular things that I could, I could, I used to consider myself somebody who worked, worked hard, play hard. That was the expression I used to use. Uh, and in the end, I'm afraid that working hard and playing hard didn't work for me anymore. It was all playing hard and it was working less and things started to not quite go so well. Uh, and that's when I noticed it. But I would say probably I'd lived a relatively charmed life into my thirties. Mm. And did it affect your working life at all? Uh, yes, it did. As I say, I, um, I've been, I had an agency for quite a while, still have. Um, and my solution to realizing that things were 
I was I was still giving it attention. I still had pride and I still had care in it, but uh, I was finding that I was, it was getting a little bit in the way of my drinking and my you know. I, so my solution to that, of course, wasn't cut down the drinking. It was uh, I had a, a a manager really that was working with me. I just said, look, can you run the company? I need a break after 14 years. I need a break. I've had enough of this, but I hadn't. It was just that I wanted I wanted more freedom to drink. You know that mm. that's that holding on for a drink until you know tea time during the week was just just driving me absolutely crazy and I was suffering from bad hangovers because I was trying to stay off the drink uh, that gave me the opportunity to uh, to to find the simplest solution to a hangover which is to just drink first thing in the morning and top myself up that was the start of the 24 7. Well let's talk about that a little more in a minute your next song is we are a miracle can you tell me about this one? Yeah, and the one thing I learned was that when I realized I couldn't do this on my own, I sought out help from other people who had stopped drinking. uh, And uh, I remember some of them describing uh, themselves and other people as miracles. And I thought that was so pretentious. You know, miracles, come on now, you know, wow, you've stopped drinking miracle you know give me a break uh, but yeah. then i listened to the stories and i realized you know uh, some of the rock bottoms they had hit were worse than mine you know people people who had been on the streets uh, and then you know found themselves found a way of not drinking with the help of the other people i uh, realized they couldn't do it themselves but with help and with willingness they could actually turn their lives around and i thought well yes you should be dead uh, I was going that way. You know, my blood pressure in the end was 192 over 117. And like a good alky I was, I found a perfect solution for that, which was cut down on my sugar and salt. That was the trick. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. And uh, <laughs> but uh, not the alcohol. That wasn't that was that was never going to go. So uh, these people were absolutely inspirational to me. And I realized that, you know, these these people were miracles. I'm a miracle. We're all miracles uh, um, because most of us, if we'd carried on the way we were going, would not be here today. So how can that not be miraculous? So this song is about miracles. And this is also a thank you song to all the people that were there to uh, to help me and other people in my situation. A big, it's a big thank you to people.
into recovery now radio let's recover together and that was we are a miracle what a song ian you're obviously a very talented songwriter comes from the heart that's the beauty of it um I've, you know you learn to be true to yourself um i used to write songs that i hoped would please other people and yeah sometimes they did but uh you know people would change them a bit or make suggestions and i would i would go along with that uh this is just i i, I said this is the album i always wanted to write uh, and it's just straight from the heart from the first word to the last word every note uh, i just worked with one producer not 10 uh we went yeah. in the studio and uh, just uh, just whatever came out we worked on and that was it you know and it's been such such a, an enjoyable cathartic and also enjoyable process yeah it sounds like you must have had a lot of fun doing it yeah and music wasn't always fun for me you know I used to used to have other other ambitions with music it was always you know um, chart chasing uh, that's a, an expression yeah. that actually makes me cringe now but I mean you know chart chasing was something that uh, was supposedly the be all and end all you know you need to need to need to get your music out there and this music is out there but it's out there for anyone who cares to listen to it it's, the journey was enjoyable and previously my journey was not so enjoyable in music uh, it was all about the end result end result mm. will be 
whatever the end result will be, it doesn't matter. You know, somebody likes it. I'm, I'm really enjoying Greg this year. I can see Greg here, uh, and he's and he's listening to the music and he's getting into it. And you know, it's uh, that, that to me is what this music is about. If, if one person likes it, job done. And Greg, the producer in the background, is uh, always jamming away. I'm always having to watch him dance. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> So taking you back a little bit now, when you were speaking about your work life, what happened when you stopped work or paused work for a while? Well, yeah, <laughs> I drank more. Um, and that's when the, yeah, you know, then then I didn't need to, I mean, I, ostensibly I did this because I had, quote, in inverted commas, all these other projects I wanted to concentrate on, but they all one by one went by the wayside. You know, I, I, I made a, a valiant effort, but the problem was the alcohol, my inner alcoholic, my Harry Houdini in, inside me here uh, was, was well and truly rampant and he was having a ball. I said, oh, look at all the freedom you've got. Uh, you know, you, you don't you have to wait till five o'clock for your first drink, you know, during the week. Uh, and also, if you have a drink first thing in the morning, it'll, it'll settle you. So and for a while, that was a fantastic solution. I actually thought this is how sick an alcoholic mind I had was I actually thought that was great. Thought, why yeah. didn't I do? Why didn't I do this years ago? You know, all I had to do was take a drink and that would have stopped a hundred vomiting sessions that would have it stopped the shakes it would have stopped the anxiety because uh, uh, an hour later from having my first drink I couldn't always keep the first drink down I mean even that should have told me I was an alky but no I didn't I still had to carry on uh, until maybe the second or third drink I could keep down and an hour half an hour an hour later I'm thinking I feel great now this is good mm -hmm. it's 10 o'clock in the morning and I've got a buzz on this is the life and you know and of course it, it then it dwindles you know the next hour or two it goes work and then you go into deeper depression so yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what affected me there you know did you feel that at some stage your drinking of alcohol made you function better actually i always believed that um, you know, being as a performer as well, that having a couple of drinks would make me better. And to be fair, to give myself um, the, the fair dues here, um, very, very rarely did I ever go on stage drunk. I mean, maybe three or four times in a career where I've, I've performed live over 3,000 times. Uh, so that's actually not bad. Uh, but in the yeah. end, uh, I used to do some fairly high profile gigs. Uh, in the end, I was looking for gigs in pubs um, that paid a quarter of what I could normally earn. Uh, and that part of the deal was that uh, I, I got accommodation provided. Uh, and part of the deal was that obviously, you know, uh, I could have free drinks as well. That's where it went from, you know, working with some fairly, fairly, you know, people have had number one hits to going to working in a pub, playing for a load of drunks, because that was my that was my environment and it didn't matter if I, if I, if I was, I, I was as drunk as the audience, but that was okay because they were very drunk. <laughs> so we all got to drunk, we all got drunk together in a party atmosphere. Uh, but it was, if you had to record, if I had recorded any of those performances, I would, I would want them all scrapped from the world <laughs> I'd want them deleted because <laughs> they will not have been great. Hope nobody ever recorded one. <laughs> it sounds like quite a demise actually but before we yeah. investigate that further let's play your next song which is 400 steps what mm. inspires you with this song then this was a little search for some spirituality in the early days i'm not religious never have been and i still am not religious but you know i believe i've always believed in a, a higher power for me the higher power is the, the the creator creator of the universe and i've always had interest in religions and i just thought when i first got sober i always found a sunday morning a difficult time 
the rest of the week wasn't too bad. Sunday morning always reminded me of that time when I needed a drink more than anything else because certainly would have been at heavy sessions on the Friday and Saturday. Sunday is one of those where you think I shouldn't really drink. Uh, so uh, I've now got sober and I'm now okay on the Sunday, feeling physically fine, but mentally I'm still thinking this is when I would normally, normally want to go and have a drink. So I thought I'll go and try something different. I'll go to my local church. Now, I didn't get anything religiously from it. I didn't expect to, but I did quite like the environment. It was pleasant, a very nice little church, which was, I think you've probably worked this one out now, 400 steps away from my house. I counted them and there were 400. Wow. So I thought I'll write a song about a church that had been there for 20 years and had never set foot inside and I still have uh, a contact we set up a little self a little help group there um you know so where they were very good to us as well and other alcoholics we got together and in the church sometimes so so there's a connection there it's not it's not a religious one uh, it's a spiritual connection and the song is about that church having been there for 20 years for only 400 steps away but had never never crossed its threshold <laughs>
was 400 steps you're listening to recovery now radio let's recover together ian i noticed one of the lyrics in that song was my eyes were open but i couldn't see how apt is that because i often feel in my recovery that it's like having a new pair of glasses on how do you feel <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i couldn't couldn't put it any better myself it is everything is clear now uh, and the frustrating thing is it should have been clear because it's so obvious uh but it's you know yeah you, you hear people say well it's an illness that tells you you've not got the illness and when i first heard that again you know i was very cynical in the beginning i thought the oh, these were all very trite comments but it's so true uh you know actually and i mentioned all harry houdini inside me saying no, you're okay you can take a drink you'll be fine just have the one it'll be all right you know and that's a constant voice that i always had all the way through my drinking, even when I tried to stop or I tried to cut it down, I always had that voice. So yeah, now all of a sudden I can see more clearly. I can see what the illness was. I can see I am a one in 16. Uh, if, the, if, the, if the World Health Organization figures are accurate, and why wouldn't they be? I do suffer from alcohol dependency and at least, you know, I have a solution today, which I certainly didn't have when I was drinking. So yeah, the, the glasses, the new pair of glasses, absolutely, Joe. Yeah. Going back to some of your darker moments then, could you describe some of the consequences of your drinking? The the dark side of my, my drinking uh, really, really kicked in when it became 24/7 and I started losing friends, losing people that mattered to me. They had to, they had to abandon me because I just, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't decent to be around, uh, you know, uh, and these were people who liked to drink as well. But by the time we met up six, seven o'clock at night to go out for a night out, I was already drunk inevitably, you know, and, um, I, you know, I, I was used to be the life and soul of the party. I'm a quite a cheery sort of guy for a while, but I wasn't anymore. I was just, I was just a pain in the backside. So, so I, my solution to that, of course, was to to drink on my own, where nobody could, nobody could get at me. I could uh, not, not be nagged. Uh, but then, you know, it was very, very solitary, uh, and uh, I got to the stage where I didn't actually even want to live, uh, and that's a horrible thing to have to say. I remember thinking, you know, sort of praying to a God I didn't even believe in, you know, and saying, oh, God, you know, please take me, take me from this, you know, don't let me wake up tomorrow, because life for other people will be better without me yeah maybe they'll be a bit sad for a while but they'll get over it and they can get on with their lives without me being in it and that will be a better result for them it's a horrible thing you know and today yeah. i feel today i don't feel like that today i'm, I'm the opposite i i, I just want to i want to live forever <laughs> because i'm enjoying life too much you know i want i want this to carry on you know for a bit longer um, almost almost six years uh, since uh, i gave up alcohol and i just want this to, to continue because it's such a great life and i cannot now almost can't believe having having that thought but it was a, it was a, a regular thought i had uh, so yeah very dark very dark yeah so speaking of dark times and let's introduce your next song which is round and round tell us a little bit about it yeah this is i didn't want to put this on the album i wanted the album full of the sort of songs you just heard upbeat happy celebratory 
Uh, but I thought I need to be true to myself. You know, um, I try to be as, as vigorously honest with myself and everyone else in this world nowadays. So uh, how can I put out an album that doesn't reflect uh, some of the other times? I wrote this song sh- shortly before I got sober, round and round, and it's round and round, down and down. You know, it's that sort of round and round. It's a descending round and round. The <laughs> it, it was inspired by my cocker spaniel, bizarrely. Uh, she was near the end of her life uh, and she, she had dementia and... And uh, she would just sometimes just walk around in circles. And I remember uh, I wrote it in a little place called Cullen in Scotland, which is uh, a northeast coast. Uh, looking out, uh, my friends had all gone to the beds. I was carrying on uh, drinking two, three in the morning, had my guitar. Looking out, I could see a little boat floating up and down on the on the on the sea and my dog, you know, going round and round. And, and the song started off the first two or three verses are about a dog on its way out <laughs> the last and and it, it 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 morphs into my life so it mm. goes from dog dog to human during the during the song and i didn't i found this a very hard song to record but i felt i had to do it uh, and it wasn't easy at all but it's it's a part of my life and and you know uh, of course hopefully it's hopefully it won't come back to that ever again but here it is that's it
stood watching it sail past on a river on the sea seems it's floating by so fast looking back reaching forward has become the same to me celebrate past glories wondering where they're meant to be when you feel that special bond when no one can explain nothing done for profit and nothing done for gain we can feel so close to times and sometimes seem so far little explanation like a distant memoir round and round and round I go round and round I go round and round and circles is the life that I live now down and up up and down still round and round I go in decreasing circles round and round I go listening to recovery now radio let's recover together and that was round and round what a beautiful song um it was quite sad as well but beautiful at the same time and it makes me think of the depression that descends on you when uh, you're in the throes of alcoholism was this a particular depressing time for you Uh, that was yeah that really was um it was so frustrating because i didn't want to be like that uh, I'm glad that I've got that song because it's one I should always um, listen to every now and then just to remind me. I mean, I don't need to be reminded. I do remember, but it won't ever do me any harm to remember that, even that moment, uh, yeah. because, you know, I just didn't fit in with anything there. You know, I didn't even fit in with with the friends around me um, with my whole situation. I felt I felt very lonely. I felt very alone you know, in the world. Uh, and uh, fortunately, it's not like that today. So, brilliant. So that's our that's well, our moment of reflection. <laughs> it is. And and talking of that, then what mm. changed? Can you tell me what happened when you first found recovery? When I first found recovery, I, I really I got hope. That was that was I got hope. I started listening to people for the first time. Um, I so started started associating with other people. Uh, who had also decided not to drink, uh, and that was the big the big thing because I started to hear other people talk about their lives in the same way that my life was. I got identification for the first time ever, and I didn't feel so alone. Uh, and also, I got hope. You know, I, I you know I'd, I'd listened to somebody who was a month month sober. I don't think I can do that. I've never been more than nine days sober in my life. You know, but uh, I could. I, well. You know, when I started drinking, obviously I was as a child, but apart from that, I'd never done nine days in 37 years, more than nine days. So so, so when I heard somebody be a month sober, I thought, well, okay, well, they can do it. Maybe I can. And I sometimes I'd hear somebody say, I've been sober 20 years. And I mean, I didn't believe that for one minute. I think obviously they, they, they weren't including Christmas, <laughs> New Year, <laughs> or holidays, you know, but I mean, you know, then, then you know, when I got to speak to them a bit more, and I said, are you serious about that? He said, yeah, not touched a drop of alcohol in 20 years. Otherwise, I'd tell you, you know, wow, really? Okay. And and you can actually live without alcohol what, for 20 years. And 
sounds sounds awfully boring to me. And he says, well, actually, no, I've lived a life beyond, what did one of them said, life beyond my wildest dreams. And I thought, I can't imagine that being a life beyond my wildest dreams, but hey-ho, I know, I know I need to stop drinking. And I did stop drinking. And, um, you know, they were very wise to me. So I said, don't, don't set massive targets. Don't say I'm going to not drink for the rest of my life. You know, it's too unachievable. Set, set some bite-sized targets, you know, very bite-sized, you know. Uh, so, um, so I did that and that worked well for me. And it's worked well for me ever since, you know. But yeah, hope, hope is that what I got from associating myself with other people and moving yeah. away from my ex- from my my drinking scenario into a sobriety scenario. Yeah, to go from a, a life of complete isolation and despair mm-hmm. um, to go to one that has some hope in it is massive. I remember not having any hope in my life. And when you haven't got hope, there just doesn't seem any point in anything. Did you feel like that? Yeah, I was well. I mean, I wanted to die, so you can't get much. I can't have much less hope than that, can you? And mm. I just didn't want to be here. I didn't think I had any purpose in life. You know, I mean, today is a different story. I've got lots of purpose, and we all have purpose. It's just sometimes we we reach a reach a rock bottom. Everybody, I think, has to reach a particular type of rock bottom to really feel it. And it doesn't matter what that rock bottom is. It could be sleeping on the streets, or it could be. I know somebody who had uh, told me about a story about they they ruined uh, she ruined her daughter's wedding by getting drunk and that was her rock bottom. Uh, her last ever drink was a glass of cristal. And I also know somebody who spent seven years living on a park bench. It doesn't matter. It's whatever your rock bottom is. Mine was bad enough. There were some worse than mine and some not quite so dramatic. You yeah. know, for me it was enough enough, and I'm very lucky to have found a solution, uh, which was abstinence. You know, that's the key to it for me, Joe. Um, it's just you know, not thinking. And this is one thing I'd say to anybody who's got serious drink issues, you know, it's you have to put the drink down, you know, can't kid yourself that you can go back to any sensible drinking. I tried that. Mm. I don't I don't know anyone who who is an alcoholic or, or has a very, very serious drink issue, or maybe doesn't actually call themselves an alcoholic. It doesn't matter what you call yourself. If you, if you can't have two drinks and put the cork back in the bottle, on a regular basis, you've got an issue that you need to deal with. And my, for me, it's for me, it was abstinence. I just alcohol plays no part in my life today. And I'm quite happy with that. It's so amazing to hear you sharing your story with us and an absolute honor and privilege. And um, I just want to take you into your next song before we discuss what life has been like in recovery for you. And the next song seems quite apt again. I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? It does what it says on the tin, Joe. <laughs> Tell me about this song a little bit. It's about being free. You did ask. <laughs> That's it. End of story. It's about being free, and and you know this this is sorry. I'm I'm being deliberately uh, facetious there because it literally is uh, all about being free, and it's the most self-explanatory song of all of them. Really, it's that feeling, that joyousness of uh, of just being free from the shackles of alcohol. You know, that's that's it. Really, even when you hear the words of the song, it's not a diff- it's not a complicated song. <laughs> Let's have a listen then. See 
you're listening to Recovery Now Radio, let's recover together. And that was I'm Free. I love that track, Ian. Really upbeat. I wanted to ask you, actually, with the title of that track being I'm Free, how have you found found your music making since getting sober? Oh, just an absolute joy. I mean, what a what a gift to have to be able to to put your thoughts uh, into music. Uh, not everybody can do that, and I'm truly grateful. Gratitude plays a massive part in my life today, uh, and you know, I have a little little chat with my old higher power every morning and every night, and I never forget to say thanks for giving me the music. I know it sounds a bit corny, but it's so true. I mean, I'm able to to be able to put my thoughts. Some people write books, some people just share with other people. It doesn't matter how you do it, getting your message across, but I'm very lucky I can get a message across uh, where hopefully other people will identify with it. And that's all I want to happen. This is not about the money. Uh, money's not that important. Uh, enough is important, but any more than that is, is a bonus. Uh, it's not that important. What's important is other people hearing songs and bopping about. And uh, uh, I can see, again, I can see Greg there, you know, uh, getting into the music. Uh, and that for me is is really, or you saying, I really like that song or I like those words. And that's what it's about for me. It's, it's my particular way of sharing it. So yeah, it's joyful to be able to do it. Absolutely, absolutely joyful. And going back to your early recovery, say the first two or three years, could you talk us through that period and what things changed for you? Everything changed. I mean, literally everything. A key moment was after one year, and I think people were giving me a year, friends. Friends came back into my life. And all of a sudden, nine months to a year, and particularly that year cusp, people thought, Okay, well, maybe he's serious. We've heard all the promises before. I'm going to cut drinking out. I'm going to cut down my drinking. I'm going to be sensible. I'm not going to make a fool of you. I'm not going to make a fool of myself. Heard it all before. I think on this particular occasion, people thought, well, hang on a sec. He's actually been away from alcohol for a year now. Maybe we ought to give him a chance. I found myself getting back invited to people's houses who hadn't invited me for years. People had kids um, who, um, you know, maybe didn't really want as, as friendly as I was, you know, Uncle Ian didn't really want drunken Uncle Ian around too much. They wanted fun Uncle Ian around, not drunken Uncle Ian. Uh, mm. And all of a sudden, I found myself, you know, um, people saying, you know, welcome back to our lives. You know, we were so pleased to have you back, and we're really pleased for me. You know, so so that changed, and people people started to respect the fact that I wasn't drinking anymore, uh, mm. and. I could, you know, I could also emphasize to them, you know, they, I really wanted people to carry on the way they were. And if they wanted to have a glass of wine, I wanted them to have a glass of wine. I lost the craving for alcohol about two weeks into my sobriety. I'm very lucky. Not everyone gets as lucky as that. But I realized I wanted something else in my life. And I started to really have a zest for life. And I realized there was a life after alcohol which was going to be a lot better than the life with alcohol. Even the good times in alcohol were pretty boring, Joe. You know, we've all yeah. been there, you know, spending hours in the pub with thinking, having a great time, talking crap, you know, and, yeah. and it's nonsense, you know. You think it's great, but actually it's pretty monotonous. When you hear people doing it now, you know, it just, it doesn't, it has no appeal. Well, for me, anyway, it has no appeal. <laughs> no, not at all. I completely agree. Your next song is You Can't Win Them All. That sounds interesting. Tell me about this one. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those crazy things. This is an old song, actually. Um, I, I, I dug this back up from probably the good days when I when, when I was. You talked about manageability earlier on. I was, I was reasonably managing stuff, and I used to play America, American nine ball pool. It was a big hobby of mine. Although in the end, it was like drinking was the hobby, and the game of pool broke out. 
at some stage during the drinking. But it was, and I used to travel and I used to play, um, you know, played played at a reasonably reasonable level uh, and uh, loved the game. I was in New Orleans in 97 and and, and, and they made me play American Namble Pool and I fell in love with it. It's better than the, the pub pool I was playing in, 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 in Britain. Uh, and I came back and, at, and I really enjoyed it. And I decided in my wisdom, I was going to open my own pool hall Yes, exactly. This ranks as the number one uh, worst decision, uh, apart from picking up that first drink uh, when I was 12. <laughs> uh, absolute disaster. I mean, it was okay, but it just nothing worked the way it was, you know. Uh, and this song is all about, well, at least I tried, you know, at least I tried. Yeah. I did it. You know, I lost, I lost, lost my shirt, and uh, it had some great times, but you know, at a cost, physically, yeah. and mentally, and, and financially. Uh, so all I could say was, well, I'm glad I tried. It is better to try and fail sometimes miserably than never to try at all. And at least I tried, and I can look back at it now. It didn't bankrupt me. It just just dented me for a while, but uh, nobody died. Uh, so this song's all about get out there, give it a go. What have you got to lose? Loads, actually, <laughs> but it's okay. But yeah. maybe <laughs> but a little bit of ego. <laughs> a humongous amount of ego. Oh, absolutely, Joe. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. More than anything.
take the nuts and brush them off, drink from that golden cup. The only losers in this world are those who never try. Get up and have another go. Now we know the reason why. Pride comes before the fall, and it'll hit you before you know it. That's for sure. There's nothing wrong with aiming high and making plans, but by and by there's one thing I know now. You can't win them all. You can't win them all. listening to recovery now radio let's recover together and that was you can't win them all and i just had sorry i have to mention this greg had a, a little flyer up in the studio then uh saying fanboy i think he's a fan of yours ian <laughs> <laughs> for any for anybody who ever comes onto this to be interviewed this is a joy because i mean you're lovely joe we've met each other before and uh you know i i knew you were lovely already but i mean greg i've met for the first time he is just a bundle of musical joys he puts some little messages into the window there and it just makes you smile and laugh and he's obviously into his music as well which is just fantastic you know so yeah uh, saying nice things fortunately what i want to know now ian is what does life look like for you now Life is great because um, I like to keep things simple. Um, I remember somebody who had a great influence on me when I first came, so, uh, came, uh, you know, into into recovery. Uh, always used to say to me, "Ian, keep it simple." And I didn't always keep it simple in the beginning. But life is simple now. I enjoy the simple things in life. You know, it's. Uh, more than anything else is enjoying the simple things in life being able to go for a walk and uh and walk down by the river and look at the the, the ducks and the 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 dogs running around a sunny day and the river flowing and uh, trees and plants. And it sounds really hippie, does it? But it is things like that, that, that are most important to me. Uh, and to be able to, in a musical form, is write my music. I mean, the, uh, the song you heard earlier on, uh, I'm Free, is actually from uh, a new album I'm recording, my second album. You know, and as is the, the last song here, it's, I can continue to write music hopefully for as long as I stay sober <laughs> and as long as I'm as yes. long as I'm I don't shuffle off this model coil I can just keep on doing this you know I uh, I feel younger than I ever have mentally you know I'm I'm just a, a kid again really um it's made me the the one I was meant to be uh sobriety you know yeah and before we play that song the one I was meant to be actually that mm. is your last song I wanted to ask you as well about your aspirations in life now. What's next for you? What's on the horizon? Well, I've got a higher power that will decide that. And this is a wonderful thing. You know, when, when you played Gotta Let Go, it's all about uh, turning it over a little bit and just saying, well, okay, you know, I, I've been in control of aspects of my life and I've not done very well with it. So perhaps just feeling a part of the universe, uh, feeling part of creation. Um, I am a minuscule, minuscule little drop in the ocean. But at the end of the day, I'm still a drop in the ocean. I've been put in put on this planet for some reason. No idea what it is, Joe. But certainly, I think it has to involve music, I think. So that's why I keep doing and try to help other people. I mean, um, I, I, don't want, I want other people to know that if you've got a problem with alcohol, there is a solution. Uh, and whatever that solution is for me, it's just telling people 
people that they need to put the drink down and don't try and juggle that with other stuff. In other words, just, mm. you know, try a life of taking alcohol completely out of life. And I spend a lot of time talking to people uh, in various help groups and, uh, and uh, on, on a one-to-one -one individual basis. Um, a lot of people have come to me in the last five, six years and, and asked me to, to, to help them. And I do that as much as I can just by saying, well, this is what I do. You know, I don't tell them what to do. I don't tell anyone what to do. I just say, well, this is, this is what works for me. Uh, and I'm quite a cheery sort of bloke, you know, so I think people think, well, okay, well, if he's quite cheery, perhaps I'd like to be as cheery as him, you know, perhaps I'm yeah. over cheery sometimes and that can be a bit off-putting as well, you know, a bit too uh, <laughs> a bit over the top sometimes, but you know, I am, I can't, I can't be anything. I'm joyous, happy, free, um, and just delighted to be alive. And uh, who knows what's in the future. And that's a wonderful position to be in. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. And before we play your last song, I want to thank the listeners for listening in. I want to thank the living room and Adveriad who have helped us put this project together. And most of all, I would like to thank you, Ian. It's been such a privilege getting to know you more. And uh, you said you were a drop in the ocean, but to me, that makes you the ocean as well. We are one and part of it all, aren't we? Yes, um, I, I feel I belong to the human race now, and it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a nice place to be. Well, let's listen to your last song now, the one I was meant to be. I'm really looking forward to this one. Tell me a little bit about it. Yeah, this is going to go on the second album, uh, which uh, have, uh, the title, I'm um, eight songs into it. Um, I, I aim to have another 12 songs on this one. And uh, yeah, this is quite simply uh, going back to what I believe I was put on this planet to be, you know, uh, hopefully a good person. I try my best to be as good a person. I try to do the next right thing whenever I can. I uh, don't always get it right, but I do my best. And I, I actually genuinely know that I do try my best. You know, it's not just words. And, you know, this is this is me being this is me being that 12 year old kid who my dad used to have to come and drag away from the football pitch at nine o'clock at night when it was going dark and say home. You know, when yeah. I just remember that he woke up in the morning and life was joyous and you couldn't wait to meet you up with your mates and kick a ball around and go places and, and just be happy. And that's that's kind of where I am now. Uh, I, I wasn't meant to be considering suicidal thoughts. I wasn't meant to be um, feeling um, waves of depression. Uh, I wasn't meant to feel useless. None of us were. Uh, mm. And uh, I don't today anyway you know so far so good uh, and if I keep doing what I'm doing hopefully I'll get uh, another day or two out of this as well that's what I hope and this song is basically I believe I am now the one I was meant to be and this is for everybody because we can all do this this is not exclusive to me or anyone this is available to anybody who has a problem with um, with any addiction whatsoever absolutely a new zest for life let's have a listen not in vain You are creation You're one of mankind When you feel so bad The things that make you sad Will pass in time No one promise you happiness No one promise you Of a perfect life, just 
Free. 